Kia ora everyone, my name's Dave and uh, it's a great privilege to be with you today and to be able to dig into those uh, verses that we've just read together. Um, why don't you keep that passage open, um, it'll be great help as we dig into it. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you've spoken now just as your word has been read and we ask that you continue to speak as we Uh, dig into them uh, and uh, explore them and work out what they mean. Amen. Uh, Well, how do I get in? We've all been there, right? Uh, You know what it's like when you're going somewhere new, somewhere exciting for the first time. Uh, You've made the jump, you've bought the tickets. Uh, The anticipation starts as you kind of journey towards that destination before you even get there. In your head, you're pulling together the kind of pieces of the, the picture of the jigsaw puzzle, the, the, the little bits and pieces that have come up in a conversation with a friend who's been. Uh, well, well, here I am. I'm standing in an airport. Uh, my plans are made. The tickets are in my pocket. This is going to be awesome. I, I'm off to catch up with some friends uh, who are over in California in the States uh, I've got my little kind of checklist. I'm going to ride the Golden Gate Bridge. Uh, I'm going to tour the Stanford University campus. And I'm going to taste what is allegedly the best deep dish pizza outside of Chicago. It is going to be great. But, but the thing is, I still need to navigate, right? I still need to navigate how to get in. I've got to go through passport checks, customs declarations. I've got to face that question. What is the purpose of your visit. Said in the most stern monotone you can imagine. They're all ahead of me. And as we pick up at this, in this part of Matthew's Gospel that we've just read together, uh, well, over the last few weeks, Jesus has been painting a picture for us. And uh, with each brush stroke, we see more of this kingdom of his. We see more, well, It's a beautiful kingdom, isn't it? It's a counter kingdom. It's a place where we care about our own sin. And we care about making sure that others aren't led into sin. It's where people loved and cared for by the Lord Jesus. Well, we don't just watch as people wander away. It's where, as forgiven people, we forgive others. And not just on a surface level, but from the heart. It's a kingdom where both marriage and singleness, they're treasured. It's a beautiful kingdom, isn't it? It's a counter kingdom. But but the thing is, we aren't just supposed to kind of look at this picture that's being drawn for us and go, wow, isn't that great? We're supposed to, as we see its beauty... We're supposed to wonder to ourselves, how can we be part of this kingdom? And in those verses that we just had read, Matthew is asking that question. He's asking that question uh, uh, through the voices that we see, through the questions that are raised in it. The first question, it's asked by a young man. This young man, he wants to know what he has to do to get eternal life. So come with me to verse 16, chapter 19, verse 16. Let's read together. 
Just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There's only one who's good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Now, there's something actually quite amazing about what this man asks. Right? There's something amazing about him because uh, he's seen this kingdom. He, he's seen the kingdom and he sees that it's attractive. A, and he wants to be there. How can I enter this kingdom? You see, and Jesus sees it. And Jesus gives him the one thing he needs to do. You see, he points back into history and he says, you know the law that God has given you. That's the one thing you need to do. Follow the law. In verse 17, keep the commandments, but which ones? Which commandments does he need to keep? Now in verses 18 and 19, uh, Jesus is not giving him a checklist, is he? You shall not murder. Check. You shall not commit adultery. Check. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Check. Check. And on down the list. Jesus is saying, live a life of character. Live a life worthy of being called one of God's people. Because it isn't about what you do, it's about who you are. So that's why, as you read through, you might have thought there's something missing here. It's not the full list of the kind of ten commandments, that go-to summary of the law. It isn't that Jesus starts strong and he's like, ah, ah, what's next? Jesus is teaching us here how to read Old Testament law. You see, because the law, it's an expansive view of what it looks like to live as God's people. And it touches all of life. And this man, well, he's done okay, hasn't he? See, verse 20, he says, all these I've kept. I've done it. You know, and at this point, Jesus doesn't kind of look over the rim of his glasses and say, you've got to be joking. Does he? He doesn't say, no, no, you haven't done it. But he gently reminds this man, it isn't about what you do. It's about who you are. How do you enter the kingdom? It isn't about doing. It's about becoming. And the problem for this rich young man What's that? He's Mr. Independent. He's Mr. Tell me what I need to do because I've got this. And that's a problem. It's a problem that can't be fixed by doing anything, can you see? Come with me down to verse 20. Matthew 19, verse 20. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, 
Jesus isn't giving this man something to do here. It kind of looks like that. But he's not saying this. Okay, this right here. This is it. This is what you need to do. He's saying the problem is, the problem is that you're defined by your independence. Your wealth, well, it's what you live for. It's what you worship. It creates this illusion that you've got this. And and so if you really want in, if you really want into this kingdom, Jesus is saying, you don't need to do. You need to become dependent. You need to become like the little children that we saw in verse 13. Come back with me to verse 13 where we started today. Then... People brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. But more than that, actually, back in chapter 18, same thing, right? So flick back or come back on the other side of the page here. Chapter 18, verse 3. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, the little children here, it's not that they're cute or innocent. It's that they're dependent. And entering the kingdom, it's about becoming like little children, not doing anything. That's why this man leaves sad. It isn't that he hasn't done something, it's that he can't become something. And as the story continues to develop, it's, it's why the disciples are shocked. You see, as this man walks away, Jesus explains further. Come with me to verse 23. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, It is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they're greatly astonished. Now, this isn't about a gate in a wall somewhere. Have you heard that one? Because the thing with gates, right, they're for walking through. And so if it's a gate that Jesus is talking about, then, well, that won't shock the disciples. So I have a needle here. Okay, a needle. (laughs) Did anyone bring a camel? (laughs) I can't even get thread through these things, especially not in this age of do not lick things. Jesus is not saying this is really hard. Okay, so knuckle down, let's get into it. He's saying, you can't do it. So he clarifies in verse 26. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. With man, this is impossible, but man, do I try. Do you see how the story works? How we're kind of invited into the story to come along with the young man for his question, for it to come off our own lips. What must I, Dave, do to get eternal life? Because just like this young man, we're Mr. and Mrs. Independent, aren't we? 
we make our plans, we set our goals, we determine our lives. Because we've got this. And just like this young man, we're people of wealth, aren't we? Now, it may not seem like it, especially if you've had to fill up your car recently. But we have wealth, and because of it, we have independence. And Jesus, he's saying our our independence, our need to determine our future, our need to know what to do and then to go away and do it, it'll never save us. It's impossible to enter the kingdom of heaven that way. And so we need to part ways with this rich young man. It's rich young Mr. Independent. Because entering the kingdom, it isn't about doing, it's about being. And if we stick with Mr. Independent, we too will go away sad and we'll miss this next question. The next question is, Matthew continues to help work out, help us work out how do we enter this kingdom? How are we saved? You see, as the disciples, they're astonished, they're shocked. And so they ask, who then can be saved? Who then can be saved? And this question, see, it functions like a bridge. Okay, on one side of the bridge, eternal life. Okay, it's impossible. No one can do enough. And that news is devastating if we understand it rightly. But the other side, eternal life is possible anything is possible with God because it isn't about doing it's about being you see it's about being like one of these little children and being saved by the free gift of God it's saved by grace come with me down to verse 25 when the disciples heard this They were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Can you see? Salvation, eternal life, entering Jesus' kingdom, it's all possible. Everything this young man wanted, everything he was reaching for, it's right there. The the one thing, all you need, it's dependence. See, just like these little children. Did you notice the children? They don't even come to Jesus to begin with. Okay, in chapter 18, Jesus calls a child to, they're all over there in the corner playing Lego, and he says, come, over here. Then at the start of our passage today, people, well, they're bringing the children to Jesus, aren't they? Paul, one of Jesus' right-hand men, uh, years later, this is how he explains it. Ephesians chapter 2, it's on your screen. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. This then... This is how we can be saved. This is how we can enter the kingdom, by grace. See, we don't do anything, not a thing. 
And this is, like, this is the stuff that drives poets and songwriters, right? The song we sung just before, I'm a child of God by grace and grace alone. I'm born again by grace and grace alone. I am heaven's citizen by grace and grace alone. Do you see what it means to be saved by grace? I scratch that. I mean, has this, has this moved you? Has it moved you to relief? Relief from the need to just do and do and do. Okay, there's nothing more spectacular than this. There's nothing in the scriptures that draw as much wonder. Nothing. It causes angels to marvel. It causes multitudes from every people and language and nation to gather and to break into song. Do you see? But it isn't enough for us to understand this, to affirm it. Has it moved you? Moved you enough to throw off all of our doing, our trying to get eternal life? Has it moved us enough to throw off our independence and to receive grace? It's the thing about gifts, isn't it? Is they're received. Uh, and, and this part of Matthew's gospel, it's all about making sure we know how to get in. Into a kingdom that we've been hearing about. By accepting the gift of grace. Like a child. But if you're still not there yet, then I think this final question is really helpful. Because Peter, one of the disciples, he's watched this young man. He's heard Jesus tell him to get rid of everything he owns. He's seen the sadness as he walks away. And he's wondering, how can I be sure? So he asks Jesus, what then? What then will there be for us? How can I be sure? Is this kingdom really worth it? You see, Peter, the disciples, they've given up a lot to follow Jesus. And Jesus, he's, he's not vague. He's not dismissive. He certainly isn't critical. He reassures, did you see? He comforts. He says, if you're part of this kingdom, then there's glory to come for sure. And there's a taste of heaven right now. The taste of heaven right now as God's people, uh, the family of God's people as they love and serve one another. Look with me at verse 29. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Do you see what's happening here? Do you see entering this kingdom, it's costly. It it could mean friendships and family relationships. They get strained. It, It could be much worse. Or it could be a material cost. So the costs are real, and this passage doesn't really explore them. 
And if they're not real for you, then they could be for the person right next to you today. The costs are real, but so are the blessings in Jesus' kingdom. This future glory, but also a taste of heaven right now. As we become part of a whanau, a, a family of believers, brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers, a family who love one another, sharing what they have for the good of each other. You know, I love being part of a family like that. And I love seeing it happen all across church. People who've become brothers and sisters as they share each other's joys and pain. People who've become parents taking younger people under their wings. When sickness strikes or when babies are born, out come meal rosters and gift packs and visits. When someone needs a place to stay for a bit, houses are open, beds are made, meals are cooked. In January, our lease ended and we had nowhere to go. And it's, I still remember vividly sitting in someone else's dining room, in someone else's home, as they prayed for us to settle into our new home. Their home was becoming our home for a while. What then will there be for us? Well, glory to be sure, but a taste of heaven right now. A family who love one another, sharing what they have for the good of each other. Are you ready to be one of the? Are you ready to be in that kind of family? Are you ready to be that kind of family? To receive that kind of love? Are you holding back? You know, you don't want people to get too close. That you know, then they might see the real me. Can I encourage you, find that person to start opening up to. Find that person to be a brother or sister to. And and let them be that as well. Maybe it'll start by joining a community group. Or just ask someone if they're free for coffee. As we finish, we need to hit the pause button, don't we? Because whether we've been following Jesus for years now, or we're still checking out who he is, we actually have the same problem, don't we? And that is our deep-seated need to do something rather than become something. That means we're in real danger real danger of coming across the real Jesus and asking what can I do to be saved instead of reveling in his gift of grace we're much more likely to be like this rich young man Mr. Independent than like these little children he points us to aren't we well, can I show you something? Uh, because did you catch the, the man's dilemma as he comes to Jesus? He's kept the commandments. He's done it all. But he never knows if he's done enough. He never knows whether he's hit the mark. He says, I've done it all. 
What's next? What do I lack? That's the problem. That's the problem with trying to earn our way, work our way, do our way into eternal life, into Jesus' kingdom. There's no assurance. But not with grace. If, if we're saved by grace, if we enter the kingdom of heaven by grace, if it depends on an infinite God instead of our broken performance, if we're saved by grace, well then we have absolute unshakable assurance because his grace is all we need. You know, when I turned up at that airport uh, a few years ago, what would have happened if I stood in front of that customs booth uh, And the question comes, on what grounds should I allow you to enter into the United States of America? Well, I'm a pretty decent guy. (laughs) It's not going to work, is it? On what grounds should I allow you into the United States of America? Well, I have here a visa waiver. By the authority and grace of Homeland Security, a welcome has been extended for me to enter the United States of America. That's going to go down a little bit better. But how much more crucial to have a welcome extended into the kingdom of heaven by the authority and grace of the king himself, the Lord Jesus. (laughs) That's what's being offered to you today. Will you take him up on that offer?